for wherever you may be joining us from today. Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. him today where do you look to times of times of trial where do you look to in times of testing when things aren't going quite right where do you go I'm glad that the Bible lets us know we can look to him he's our rock he's our fortress his name is something we can run into and be safe in the middle of our trial and test praise God I thank God that he is a strong tower in my life. Thank God that he's a refuge for me and my family. Are you grateful for that today? One more time, give him some praise. Give him some honor. He's worthy of it today. He's worthy of it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the team for leading us into worship. Appreciate their efforts in helping us get into the presence of God. I'm going to invite us all to stand. We're going to read the Word of God together today. I'm going to go to the New Testament, to the book of John, chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses and, and talk about Jesus' first miracle. You know, what was the miracle he did first? I know that many of you might know what it is. But, but why did he do that one first? We're going to talk about that today, and I believe there's some truth here that we need to get as we talk through this today. John chapter 2 and verse 1 says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith to him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, What have I to do with thee? Mine hour has not yet come. Every time I read that verse, I'm thinking, that's an interesting way to talk to your mother. Woman, what have I to do with you? He better be the Messiah talking to his mother like that, right? His mother saith to the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Everybody say, do it. Nike has a slogan that we all know, just do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith to him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou 
has kept the good wine until now. Verse 11. This beginning of miracles. Everybody say beginning of miracles. Did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. God's word is rich. God's word holds lots of great truths. I want you to pray today for yourself that God would let the word of God speak clearly into your life and your situation right now. Let's pray together. Jesus, God, again, we're thanking you for your word. We're thanking you for every promise that's there, God, for every truth that we find in it. God, I pray as the word of God is preached today, God, that your anointing would rest upon me, that I would deliver the word of God with the anointing, God, that you want me to have, and God, that the people of God's ears would be anointed to receive the word of God. We thank you for it today. Do a significant work in this place. And everybody said in Jesus' name, God bless you as you are seated. Jesus didn't have a lot of time to train the disciples. He was only going to be on this earth for three and a half more years. He had gathered a group of men around him. And in three and a half years, he had to accomplish everything that he had come to do. He was busy. He had a lot of work to do. He had some training to do with these disciples. There was a lot of ground to cover in a very short time. Think about it. Three and a half years goes by pretty quickly. And so Jesus was quite busy, but when Jesus was called and invited to the marriage, Jesus and his disciples went. I'm so glad that when we call on Jesus, that he's not too busy to come and meet us. I'm so glad that when I have a need and I call on the name of Jesus, that he's not got so much activity on his plate that he hasn't got the time to come and to meet me at the point of my need. You call on Jesus and Jesus will show up. You cry out to Jesus, and Jesus will come by the power of his spirit to meet you. In fact, I'm encouraging you, Life Church, today that we must ask God to go with us every step of the way. We must invite him into our homes, into our marriages, into our relationships. We must invite him into our future plans our education, our careers. We must invite them into every part of our lives. I want to tell you today that people that have a lot of trouble in this world, they wouldn't have the trouble they're having if they would just invite Jesus into the middle of their lives. Too often Jesus is left on the outside, but I want to tell you today he wants to be in the center of your life. He wants to be the, the one that you look to in your time of trouble. This marriage feast was underway. And the Bible doesn't give us a lot of description here, but the, basically what happens is they ran out of wine. Not really a catastrophic event, not a life and death situation, 
But I'm sure for that bride and that groom and the mother and father of the bride, it was a big deal. Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, they don't have any more wine. She knew that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He hadn't yet kind of entered into his earthly ministry quite yet. He hasn't really let everybody know who he was yet. He's been living life and carpentry stuff, and, and she knows that it's coming soon. And so she, gun, she runs over to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, basically, can you help here? Can you do something now? They don't have any wine. Is it wrong for, her mother, for Jesus' mother to come to Jesus and ask for some help? Is it wrong? No. In fact, I want to tell you today, it's not wrong to bring any kind of problems to Jesus. It might be big and it might be little. It might be in between. You can bring every single worry, every single problem, every single situation to Jesus, no matter how grand or how minuscule. When Jesus presents the situation, I'm sorry, when Mary presents the situation to Jesus, it's just so interesting the way he responds. Woman, I don't know about you, but how many here have called or do call their mother woman? I'm not sure that would go over very well with Mrs. Olive O'Donnell. I'm not sure that would be looked at favorably. And then, like, the question, like, what what am I doing with you? Like, what... He goes on to say, it's, it's not time. It, it, like, chill. It's not time yet. Look, just, just give me some more time here. Wait a little bit. It's not happening yet. I just want to encourage someone today that, you know what, when we pray and we ask God to do something, don't get offended by the answer that comes back. I want to encourage someone today. I want to remind you that the God that we're serving, he's a loving God. The God that we're serving today, he's got your best interest at heart. The Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God. You might be going through something today. You might be praying for God to answer. And God, you don't like the answer you're getting right yet. Just always remember, he's a loving God. He cares about you. He's going to always work things out for your good. He's not going to harm you. He's not going to hurt you. If it seems like God's not responding to you like you think he should, that's when you just have to lean in and trust in the loving God that he is. Mary knew that Jesus would soon be stepping into his messianic position. She knew that it was coming very soon. So she does not get offended by the response. She doesn't go pouting and talking to her friends about, you would not believe how Jesus just spoke to me. John, Peter, do you know how Jesus just talked to me? Do you you know the answer that Jesus just gave me? 
She wasn't offended. She wasn't insulted because she knew that God was going to do something great. She had a confidence that he was stepping into his messianic position. And so what she does is very simple. She just looks at the servants and she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. No offense. No insults. She didn't take it incorrectly. She just responds in faith and she says, servants, Whatever he says to do, you just do it. Don't, don't negotiate. Don't question it. Don't, don't wonder about it. Just do it. Don't try to figure it out. You know, too often we're trying to figure out what God's going to do. and how, We get it all figured out in our mind that God's going to use that person over there and he's going to do it. All. No, no, no. We can't figure out God. We just got to be obedient to what he says. We got to just do what he says. It might not make sense to you, but I want to tell you today, just do it. What part of this that you know you should be doing and you're not doing? Is there some things in the Word of God that Word of God has told you you should be doing and you're not doing yet? I'm going to tell you today, just do it. Don't question it. Don't wonder about it. Don't surmise over it. Just do what the Word of God says to do. And this is where the story changes. After she told the, the, the servants to just do what Jesus said to do. Jesus, the Bible says, looks over and he sees six water pots over to the side. Water pots of stone. Now these were typical in Jewish homes because the Bible says they were used for purification. These were the water pots that were used for, for ceremonial cleansing in that family. And so Jesus says, take these water pots and fill them. Now, these were not just little pots that are a gallon pot. The Bible gives us some instructions here. The Bible says that they were pots that each contained two or three firkins. How many know what a firkin is? It's not, it's not language we use today. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down for you. The, these pots, one pot would contain between 20 and 30 gallons of water. So these were not little pots. These were some good-sized pots. And so the, the command by Jesus was go fill them with water. Now, you got to think with me. It's not like your backyard. It's not like, okay, get the hose, turn on the tap, and let's fill these babies up. None of that. It would take a little bit of work by these servants to fill up these water pots. I'm not sure if they picked them up and carried them to the water source and then brought them back full or they went many times getting the water to fill up these six water pots. I am not sure what they did. But the Bible lets us know they did exactly what Jesus said for them to do. He said, fill them. And the Bible says and lets us know that these servants filled them to the brim. Too often, we're told to do something, and we do it about 75%. I'll, I'll fill it about three-quarters full. It's going to be a little bit easier. It's going to take a little bit less work on my part. They didn't fill them half full. 
They didn't fill them three quarters, but they were so obedient to the instruction that they were given by Jesus that they filled them right up to the brim. I want to tell you again today that whatever God's word says, we must do it. Whatever God has promised us, we're going to get it if we follow the instructions. We must obey what the word of God tells us to do. You might not understand it. It might not make sense to you. But if God's word says it, do it. There's a power and a blessing when we obey. Thus saith the word of God. How many have received those blessings in your life when you have been obedient to what God's word has told you to do. After they filled them to the brim, Jesus then instructs these servants, take out some of the water and bring it to the governor of the feast. Now, these, these servants, I'm not sure what was going through their mind. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I, I'm thinking there was some thoughts going through these servants' minds. They're at a wedding feast. They're serving. The people are not happy right now because they're out of wine. There's a little bit of complaining in the room. They, they think, I'm going to take water that I just got from whatever well. I'm going to take water in, in, a, in a glass or a mug or a cup, whatever they were using, to the governor of the feast Water? I'll be fired on the spot. This is my only job. I don't know what was going through the mind. I'm just imagining. You want me to take water that, that you use from the pots that you use for bathing and cleansing your body from? Those pots? Sometimes we, just, we, we go quickly through the word of God and we don't think about some of the ramifications. These were the pots that were used for ceremonial cleansing, washing their bodies. You mean water from those pots to the governor? You know what? You and I don't get to decide or choose what God decides to use. God can use whatever or whoever he wants to use. Too often do we just, we look at people and we say, well, God can't use that. I'm not, better not point. God can't use that one. I, I don't want to point out here because you might think it's you. That God can't use that one over there. Or God can't use that one over there. But, oh, he can use that one because they're, no, 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 no. We don't get to choose what God uses or who God uses. Because if God does a work in their life, it doesn't matter what they've been used for in the past. It doesn't matter what sin they've been involved with in the past. When God says, I'm going to use them, God says, I'm going to use them. God can choose to use whoever he wants to use. Because when God cleanses, when God does a work inside, there's something that supernaturally takes place. All things the Bible says are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. It doesn't matter what life was like before. It doesn't matter what sin you've been involved with before. You might think that God can't use you as a vessel to flow through. I want to encourage you today that when God chooses to use you, he's going to use you. It doesn't matter because he can wash you. He can cleanse you. He can turn your life completely around. We just got to take him at his word. 
We got to just believe what he says. We got to stand on his promises. If he says it, I believe it. And it doesn't matter if I believe it or not, it's still true because it's his word. We can't limit God because he's the almighty God. The Bible says he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can even ask or think. I can think and ask a whole lot, but the Bible says he can do a whole lot more than that. So these servants, then these guys were some obedient servants. Go fill them. They filled them to the brim. They said, Jesus said, take the water and take it to the governor and these servants did exactly what they were told to do. They, they took the water from the water pots to the governor of the feast. And I'm sure they just kind of stepped back and they wondered, okay, what is going to happen here? Like, am I going to lose my job on the spot? Like, they, they took water to the governor of the feast. And when he took his sip, they were probably shaken in their boots, wondering what his response would be. And I'm not sure how he took his wine, if he kind of, you know, whatever they do. And then they just, that little, I don't know how he did it. But when he took the sip, the Bible lets us know that he says, you've saved the best for last. Now that's some good wine, is basically what he was saying. I'm sure the parents of the bride, they'd been stressed out, they'd been worried. They'd invited all these people to this wedding, and they ran out of wine. They were, they were probably wondering how this was all going to end up for them. It was going to make them look bad. They were going to look like tightwads, that they didn't have enough of the good stuff for this wedding. The bride was probably thinking, oh, it's my wedding day, I'm embarrassed. I did not want my day to turn out quite like this. But the governor of the feast basically said, this is not the way it typically happens at weddings. Typically, people set out the good stuff first. And then when everybody's had a lot to drink, they bring out that, that's, Bible, King James says that's worse. Not the good stuff. Because then you don't care. But this wedding is different. You've saved the best for last. That father of the bride probably elbowed his sweet, wife, the mother of the bride, says, I don't know what just happened, but whatever has happened, I am so grateful that it has happened. I'm sure glad whatever took place here has happened. And the Bible says in verse 11, Sister Samantha, put that back up on the screen. It says, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. My question to you today, it's a rhetorical question. I'm not expecting a response, but I want you to ponder this for a moment. Why did Jesus choose this miracle to be the beginning of miracles? Why? Why, why would he choose this one? It's cool. Turning water to wine, is, it's a cool miracle. But it's not a life or death miracle. It's not like raising someone from the dead miracle. 
It's not like healing some incurable disease like leprosy miracle. He, Jesus, like I said at the beginning, he only had three and a half years to train these men, these 12 men, to do what needed to be done. Why was turning water into wine the beginning of miracles? Was it so the parents of the bride weren't embarrassed anymore? No. Was it so the governor of the feast would be happy? No. Here's what I think, and this is what I believe that the word of God wants us to understand today. In this first miracle of water to wine, I believe this. Put put it up on the screen. I, I believe that Jesus is saying, I can do in no time what you can't do in a lifetime. Say that with me together. I can do in no time what you can't do in a lifetime. I'm no wine expert, but I know something today that it takes a a long time to produce good wine. We now live in the Niagara region of Grimsby. We live in wine country. If we go very far in any direction, you will see the vineyards. It's, It's beautiful. But it takes time to produce good wine. You know, time is one of those things, it's a commodity that we only have so much of. Time might be our greatest commodity. If you had the choice between money or time, most people in their right mind would choose time every single time. Because what good is a lot of money if you don't have any more time? We can't create more time. We're living today. It's 11.31 or 2 on July the 12th, 2020. This is all we have. Of course, life is made up of three different dimensions. It's past, present, and future. The future, you can't access the future. Now, we can dream about the future. We can make plans for the future, but we can't access the future. And we definitely can't access the past. The only way that you can get any glimpse of that is through our memories. Amen? I was married to this beautiful lady 21 years ago in May, okay? That is only a memory. My kids were born, babies, infants, and I know there's some babies in the building That, that, that is only a memory. Graduating university, it's a memory. Everything that you've been through in your life, it's only a memory. I can only remember these things. And one thing I know for sure is that time, it's moving. 
very quickly. When I first said it, it was 1131. It's now 1133. What I said back then in the present is now a memory. The beginning of this message, the songs we sang early in the service, it's only a memory. We cannot go back and redo it. It's only a memory. We've only got this moment. We've only got right now in this day, in time. You may feel like you're in this race against time and you're not winning. You may feel like life is moving quickly and you're in a losing position. Things are not working out the way you planned. How many would be honest to say that some of your plans have not worked out as you thought they were going to work out? Okay? You, you might think you're behind. You might think that you're, you're in a losing position when it comes to time. I hate to admit this, but I graduated high school 40 years ago last month. Someone say 40. That's just, that doesn't make sense to me. Like that, that does not make sense to me. History. And all the ones under 40 think, he, he's that old? <laughs> I've made some decisions that are good, and I've made some decisions that are not good. How many would admit to making both types of decisions? History. You can't go back and change any of it. You can't tweak it. You can't, you can't imagine it different. It's your history. The good, the bad, the ugly. Life is fleeting. Time is moving quickly. It's here for this moment. It's 11.35 right this moment. But if I wait less than 60 seconds, that moment's gone. History. The Bible has something to say about this in James chapter 4 and 14. It goes on to say, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanishes away. This past week, I had a dear friend in Fredericton, my home church. At the age of 55 years old, she died of cancer. In fact, a week ago today, Sunday morning. Um, they did her funeral at the church in Fredericton on her and Greg's 31st wedding anniversary. Life is fleeting. It's a vapor. It doesn't last long. Psalm 39 says it like this in verse 5, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth. Our, our, our days are not very long here. But God's created it that we live in time. You and I are confined to time. We have to live here. But I want to let you know today that God doesn't live in time. God is not confined to time. He operates in a realm where there is no time. Now that's something to get excited about, actually. In this first miracle, the miracle of the water to wine, Jesus is letting us know that he 
operates in a realm outside of time. As I said, wine takes a long time to perfect. You have to plant the vineyard. You probably have to, and they say, we, of course, over at Hikes Bay where our district campgrounds are, there's vineyards as well in Prince Edward County. They say it's only certain hillsides that are good for winemaking. There's got to be a little bit of roll to the hillside. You've got to get the right hill. You've got to plant the little vines. You gotta, and then we see over there at Hikes Bay the, the workers in the fields, and they're always there. Their they're sun's out. It's, it's blazing hot, and, and they've got no skin showing. They've got hats and neck coverings and arm coverings, and they're just fully out there, and they're, they're doing stuff every single day in those vineyards. They're making sure that the bugs are not around. They're making sure that the predators are not coming to destroy the grapes. They plant the vineyards. They grow the grapes. They harvest the grapes. They have to process the grapes. I'm not sure if it's like the I Love Lucy episode that many of us have seen, if they do that anymore or not. But they, they used to, at one time in Italy, they used to get inside the, the, the big things with the grapes and stomp the grapes. I'm not sure what process they have today, but I'm sure it's not that. They have to bottle the grape juice and then store them for some time. They say it probably takes at least 20 years to produce good wine. But here they are. Jesus is telling these servants to take the water from the purification jugs, the cleaning your body jugs, and take it to the governor of the feast. I'm not sure when it happened. I'm not sure if it's when they put the cup down in the water or it's when they took their first step, the first year happened, the se second year happened. On the, I don't know how it happened or when they poured it into the, the governor's cup. I don't know when. But sometime between the getting the water out of the jug and giving it to the water that Jesus does, does this amazing miracle of turning the water into wine. God's saying, I don't need time to do a miracle. I can do in no time what you can't do in a lifetime. I don't know what issue you brought today to Life Church. It might be a health issue that the doctors are saying, we've done all we can do. It doesn't matter with God because he doesn't operate in time. It might be a, a, a relationship issue. It might be an issue in your family. It might be a financial need. The Bible lets us know he's our provider. He's going to meet us at the point of our need. It, it, could, it could be a crisis that you're going through. God is a God of miracles today. He was yesterday. He is today, and he will be tomorrow. God doesn't operate in time like we operate in time. God's not confined to time like we are confined to time. If you need to have the almighty God come and take your sinful heart, you might say, I've messed up, I've sinned, I've done all kinds of crazy stuff, and, and it's going to take God a long time to fix up my life and get my life on the straight and narrow. I want to tell you today, it doesn't take God any time at all. 
God can take the sinner's heart. God can take the sins, the Bible says, that are as scarlet, and he can make them as white as snow. It's like turning water into wine. You don't know when it happens, but when you confess your sins, the Bible says he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I thank God that it doesn't take him any time to turn a sinner into a child of God. I've watched it happen. I've watched sinners come to an altar and just fall on the altar, and in seconds, God transforms their life, and they're never going to be the same again. The Bible says, and I was thinking about this this week, you know what? When you go down in the waters of baptism, the Bible says you're buried with him in baptism, and you rise to walk in the newness of life. There's nothing magical about getting put under the water and dunk your head under the water and back up again. There's nothing magical about it, but there's something supernatural that takes place. When you're buried with him in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, something happens, and you come up out of that water, and the Bible says you're a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So my final comment to you today is this. When you have no more time, you don't know how to work in the situation. You don't know what to do. Just take your situation. Take your trouble to a God that doesn't operate in time. Because God can do in no time what you can't do in a lifetime. I'm going to ask the music to come back. Let's all stand together. I believe that God is speaking to someone's heart right now. I believe that in this place there's people that you need God to move in your life. There's people here that you're needing a miracle. There's people here right now that you need God to minister to you right now. I believe as I've preached this message that the word of God has spoken to you. I believe as I preach this word today that you've heard the voice of God and faith has arisen in your heart. I want to say all you got to do today is just obey what God says. If you obey what the word of God says, God will work it out. We're going to pray today. How, how many have a situation you need God to work in? You got a situation you need God to, to help in? You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You've tried it. It hasn't worked out. I want to tell you, what you can't do, God can do. When you haven't got time to make it happen, God can make it happen. You might feel you're losing in this race against time, but God can do in no time what you can't do in a lifetime. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to pray right now. I want you to, church, life church, saints of God, I want you to lift up your voices right now. There's people around you. They need God to touch them. There's situations in this room right now that they need miracles in their families, miracles in their finances, miracles in their bodies. God's able to touch. That's right, church. I want to hear you today. I want to hear you crying out to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we're going to pray right now. We're going to believe you right now. We're going to ask you right now that you're going to do miracles. You're going to do signs and wonders. You're going to do something great in this place. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, do it. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message spoke into your life, your heart, or whatever situation you may be going through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at lifechurch.ca on Instagram. And on Facebook, just search Life Church and you will find our navy blue logo with the letters LC in the middle. Now before you go, we ask if possible from whatever platform you may be listening to us on, give us a rating or a review or even both, and share this message with someone so that they can be impacted by the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your support and love you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.